0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, my name is Jonathan Harden. Welcome to episode two of In Anything at the Minute, the Honest Actors podcast. This is the second part of the launch, Double Bill, so if you found yourself here accidentally, don't forget to go back and listen to episode one with Denise Goff. Also, if you haven't already listened to them and you like the podcast, you should go back and listen to a couple of the teasers. The teasers are extracts about eight to ten minutes in length from interviews that I've already conducted, full-length versions of which will be going out as part of the podcast over the coming months. So it's a way of you finding out what's coming up next, really. So go back and listen to those. Also, don't forget that there are loads of blogs on the website. Articles by actors, people associated with actors, casting directors, acting coaches, journalists, people who've given up acting. So loads of really interesting stuff on there. www.inanything.com And a reminder of the big launch giveaway. There's a competition online to win a Spotlight Annual Membership headshots with stageshots.london and an annual subscription to the stage. Go to www.inanything.com forward slash competition to enter for free. That's enough from me. Here it is, episode two, Tom Goodman Hill. I am sat in the back garden uh, of Mr. Tom Goodman Hill um, and that is Just as an explanation of the pastoral sound effects These have not been pumped in at his request (laughs) At a later date These were live in the garden as we chatted Um, But Tom, first of all Thanks very much for agreeing to do it Pleasure Um, And to begin How did you get into acting?
1: Um, I I got into acting uh, Like most actors Because I didn't feel like I could do anything else So um, I I really got into it as a member of the Young People's Theatre in Newcastle, where I grew up, and um, because it's easy to say, oh, I got my first job, you know, and that's how you got into acting, but that's not how it happens. You get into acting because it's the thing you completely fall in love with and feel like that's what you do. So, uh, for me, I always trace it back to where where that obsession started. Which was Newcastle? Which was in Newcastle, yeah.
0: And... I mean, you've said it's, a, it's the only thing you could do. What were the things that Tom Hill tried and, and, and failed at? Academia in general was the thing I was not good at. <laughs> right. So what age were you then when you started involving yourself
1: with the Young People's Theatre? Uh, when I went, I went to see my mum at the Young People's Theatre, it was, the, it was the, at, the, at the People's Theatre in Newcastle where she was a, she'd been a member for years and I used to go and see her do plays and I joined the Young People's Theatre because I loved the building and the people there, and and it looked like a social group that um, was more important to me than 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 most of the people at school who I was at school with. Um, so and it was a more diverse group of people. So in the first instance, was it, it was the world more than the thought of performing? I think that's right. Yeah, I think it was uh, being attracted to a, a set of people that had that in spite of a whole range of different backgrounds had a, had a similar outlook, you know, people yeah. who were... I think generally I find that actors are optimists who are introverts. I don't think it's right to say that actors are extroverts, which I think is, is, is a perception that people have looking at actors, they think, oh, you're an extrovert and you're always moaning about your job. <laughs> I think the opposite is true. I think you wouldn't be an actor if you weren't an optimist because you, you wouldn't survive if you weren't an optimist in, in this business. And also I don't think extroverts necessarily need the outlet of acting to survive. So I think it's introverted people who enjoy going into a different persona or personality and using that personality to express themselves is a more accurate way of of putting it so i think they're generally optimists who are introverts
0: so little tom the optimistic introvert somehow found himself surrounded by like-minded people a community of like-minded people what's the first memory you have then of being on stage
1: um so i i'd I'd done school plays and really enjoyed them but at the young people's theater we did all sorts we were doing you know Twelfth Night, Under Milk Wood, and um, David Copperfield and Pinocchio, and all sorts. Were you, were sorts you of stuff. always, or were you ever the lead?
0: What kind of what kind of role did you fulfil within that company then? My,
1: <laughs> <laughs> My defining role was oh, his, okay. was, was Zany the clown in Pinocchio because he didn't speak throughout, but he never left the stage. It was David Wood's version, and. It was it's important to me i was talking to my mum about this the other day actually it was, it was important to me because uh it was the time i discovered that you didn't have to speak to be an actor and uh it was also the time i discovered that being trying to be the center of attention on stage is the worst thing you can do and nick whitfield who was the director at young people's theater tearing me off a strip for stealing scenes when I should not be the focus of the scene. <laughs> Literally destroying me afterwards and going, "You ruined, you ruined it, you ruined it." You know. Uh, whereas from my point of view, there's a lot of people enjoying watching me being stupid and uh, having fun and making people laugh, but not actually helping to tell the story. It's, it's still, it's still the best lesson I've ever learned. Um, but that was, you know. That's where I think the obsession really grew, was at the people's.
0: And you've mentioned your mum a couple of times already. Obviously, you had her support uh, as yeah. a kid. Is that something then that, that once you started to think this might be a serious career option, did that continue or were there. Were she there very worries? sensibly
1: told me to get a proper qualification. So I qualified as a teacher um, <clears throat> and uh, as a primary school teacher, which I loved. Uh, I loved doing it. I was just a hopeless administrator and could never have survived as a, as a teacher. Um so that was 4 years at university doing I think I did 36 plays while I was there <laughs> which shows you where my priorities were lying. Like. Did you then go on to drama school after that again? I did. I went to Bristol Vic. I, I, I so I had 2 years because I'd all, I'd also done National Youth Theatre for 2 years as well before going to university. You're the most highly qualified, actor <laughs> in Britain. so uh I done all of that um and uh, and then two years doing putting together a fringe company, which was great. And uh, I decided that that was probably a good time after, you know, working very hard for less than nothing on the fringe, doing profit loss, uh, <laughs> that uh, I would try and do some training. So I went to Bristol and uh, I, I sort of didn't... Th- th- think about it very hard I just auditioned and uh, I, I was really lucky I just got into Bristol on the first try and didn't even
0: um, and were you lucky in retrospect is it something that you feel you benefited from um as an actor or like I said is it something a lot of people look back on the training and, and do so with a kind of yeah it was a necessary uh, means to an end how do you look on yours
1: I loved being at Bristol Old Vic Theatre School I really enjoyed it um it's a difficult one? I don't I don't know. Like I said earlier, I, I, I think back more to young people's theatre and to Nick Whitfield, who ran that than I than I do to thinking about things that for instance Rudy Shelley said to me. I I, I, my, I think the most valuable stuff I got from Bristol Vic was a vocal training with um, Francis Thomas. The, the voice teacher there is extraordinary. And and it, learn, it teaches you to take knocks, teaches you not to always succeed. That's really good, really good. Um, so it was useful in that respect. It was useful socially. Yeah.
0: So um, we could obviously go from here and um, one version of this interview would go through the highlights of everything you've done since then. Um, but one of the things that uh, I've said to everybody I've interviewed so far that I hope will characterise these interviews is that, um, that's almost the easy route. It's the obvious route, and it's the kind of route that that probably provides least interest to the people that are listening. So, um, if I was to condense all of that time between you know graduating from Bristol and now. And I was to say, one thing could represent you. If if you if you could be no one for one job, what's the thing you're most proud of having achieved as an actor?
1: You've literally silenced me with that question because I don't know... It's a terrible question. It's, it's not a, a terrible question. I find question. myself saying this a lot. It's a terrible question. It's not a terrible question. It's a really good question. It's just I don't suppose I've ever asked myself it because you sort of think that way madness lies you think uh, if you define yourself by one role you'll never escape it
0: oh, I feel bad
1: no <laughs> not at all because I, I, I've, I've almost never not enjoyed a job I suppose um, the one I want to be the one I want to be remembered for is, is John Lilburn in The Devil's Whore um, but whether I am Remotely remembered for that, I don't know, wherever will be. The one I'm most recognised for now is, is, is Mr. Grove and Mr. Selfridge, which is fine by me. I, lo- I love the character, so that's great. Um, but there are things that, uh, that I've done on stage that are more important to me than anything I've done on camera. I love doing new writing, so it's new writing that, that matters to me more than anything. Um, is that because of the process in rehearsals then obviously more than yeah probably than performance creating a role for the first time knowing you 're the first person to say those words working with a writer because writers are my they 're top of the tree for me they 're more important than anyone and um, so working with writers is the, the the best work you can do
0: and that now it kind of frees me up to move outside of of specific jobs. Um, and open it up to kind of general questions about, without sounding very grand about it, what it is to be an actor. Um, so I, I've asked this of everyone so far, and uh, I'm going to continue with you. An agent who shall remain nameless once told me that the only time, he, in his experience, actors were ever truly happy was in the five minutes after they got a job. And from the sixth minute onwards, they started to doubt their own ability to do that job. Do you recognize anything of yourself in that? And if you don't, what from the sixth minute is,
1: or is your thought process? I recognize all of that. But I'm, uh, like I said, I'm an optimist. So um, I suppose I like to think that if you get the job, that means they think you can do it and you need to run with that. So uh, I always, almost without exception, I think I've always enjoyed rehearsals. I just. love rehearsing Um, and I suppose like all actors you get to the point where you you've had enough of rehearsal you want to get out of the rehearsal room you never want to see the director again Uh, and you just want to do the play to the best of your ability tell that story fresh every time for a new audience who's never seen it before and I love doing that I absolutely love doing that Um, so no, I think, particularly in theatre, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much always happy. I think it's it's when when a run goes on longer than I feel I can cope with it, then I quickly become miserable. People who've worked with me know that I will I will start to hate every audience that comes in.
0: Uh, so, as <laughs> as an optimist, then um, do you go into
1: auditions with that optimism? No one enjoys the process of auditioning. It's a deep pit in the soul (laughs) going through auditions. Um, I, again, as an optimist, I always go in going, I've got as as good a chance as anybody else. But more often than not, I'm usually going in the room thinking that I'm overreaching myself in at least one aspect and that I'm not going (laughs) to be appropriate, you know. But But still part of me goes... But I hope they at least shortlist me, even if I think I'm wildly inappropriate for the role. You know, you've still got that going on in your head. <laughs> do
0: you still look around the room? Do you, do you get that kind of. Do you cast other people in the room sometimes when you're waiting?
1: Definitely. Definitely. I, I, I don't want to name names, but in the number of times that I've uh, been going for a. A casting and someone comes out the door, and I go, Oh, well, clearly, clearly, of course, of course he's here, of course he is. And I'd cast him. Uh, yeah, and I'd cast him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it happens all the time. And there's a, there's a short list of about six that I say that of every single time. I think, Yeah, yeah, he's going to get it. Of course he's going to get it. I've, I would definitely cast
0: I've him. I've been in rooms, I've cast guys across the way, and they've went into different auditions, and I've been slightly disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you agonise over them afterwards? Or do you just draw a line under an audition, what you've done?
1: I I, I used to agonise ridiculously. I used to completely torture myself, as my agent will tell you, because they got sick of me ringing up and going, really, no feedback? Um, You know, I would, would, yeah, really tie myself in knots about what the outcome might be. And I would want to know the negative feedback as well as the positive feedback and... um, I would, I would almost insist on it about five years down the line I stopped doing that to myself um, and every now and then there'll be a particular job where I go really they didn't even not even they didn't even think twice about me not even a recall really and I'll and I'll, I'll want to know but generally that's a really 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 bad thing to do because you go mad
0: so on the flip side do you allow yourself to engage in any kind of fantasy when you think it goes well?
1: Yeah, and I've, I've done that to myself too often where I've come out and I've gone, well, that couldn't have gone any better, that's in the bag, and then, of course, you don't get it. So, <laughs> uh, and then, so I try not to do that either. So I suppose what I'm saying is I've got to the point now where I prepare as thoroughly as I possibly can, and then the moment I leave the room... I don't think about how it went. I, I banish it from my mind, yeah.
0: Do you think there's a place for luck, or how much um, do you believe in the role of luck? Luck is massive.
1: Luck is, it rules the industry. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure of that. Uh, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure I'm a benefactor, of, you know. Well, my next question was, have you been lucky? Yeah, been enormously lucky. I, I wasn't first choice for it. I don't think it's any secret. I was wasn't first choice for Mister Selfridge. I know that it had been offered to another actor. Nobody's ever
0: first choice no, for anything. No, exactly.
1: So it's like, of course it's luck, you know. And I and I doubt that I was even necessarily top of the list of people they called when that actor dropped out very close to the job. You know, we've just worked on the Truth Commissioner, and I wasn't I wasn't cast in that, and it was only because. The actor who who was supposed to be playing my part was stuck doing a pilot somewhere in the States and told the producer, Ask Tom, that I got the job. I mean, it was pure luck, pure Brilliant. luck. So uh, luck is luck is massive, a massive, massive, massive thing.
0: Um, can I follow on from luck? Do you believe in big breaks? Um, and do you think you've had your big break?
1: I, I don't believe in big breaks, but... I I have, in the moment, believed about 20 times that this is the big break. This is it? Yeah.
0: This is going to change everything? This
1: is, this is it. This is, this is when I no longer have to go and do meetings. This is when I no longer have to audition. I'm now at the point where I don't have to go and do that. Never happens, never happens. You're never happens. You're always back in the room, learning 15 pages for one meeting which is twice what you would ever have to learn for a day's work. (laughs) And you've got to be absolutely on it, convince them you are that person with zero rehearsal, no page after page after page of stuff, sit in a room feeling basically humiliated (laughs) and go through that process no matter how successful you are. I think there's about five people on the planet who don't have to go through that. Still an optimist, even though I know that process will never end, I'm still optimistic about the the way it could go. I'm still I'm still sitting here going I'm enjoying I'm enjoying the job I'm enjoying being an actor I'm still I feel like you know a lucky guy Oreo break Oreo break
0: Just a quick interruption from me here to say if you're enjoying the podcast please subscribe on iTunes If you're feeling particularly generous you can also leave a rating and a review if you're struggling with that process, as I've said before, there's a quick video on the website www.inanything.com that should demystify that process. If you've done that already, don't forget we're on Twitter at Honest Actors and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Honest Actors. And if you haven't entered, don't forget the competition. inanythingcom forward slash competition. A Spotlight Annual Membership. Headshots with Stageshots.London and an annual subscription to The Stage. Inanything.com forward slash competition. Back to Tom. What's then the longest... This is a personal question. What's the longest you've gone without working, uh,
1: to your memory? Uh, The longest without um, an acting job? um was three months
0: three months and did was that long enough for you to feel like this was going to be a problem this might continue Uh, did anything of of tom the optimist start to kind of
1: you see because there's a difference between being an optimist and being insecure (laughs) yeah so you can be an insecure optimist right you can still you can still think i'm going to be okay i'm going to be okay and still have days where all you do is stare at the wall (laughs) <laughs> I have a lot of those days, but that they 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 don't necessarily define you. So, um, I, I, I you know I've yeah I've done days when all I've done is binged on The Walking Dead, and all I, all I can think of is that the world's basically ending, because that's day to day. That's what being an actor can do to you. You can your insecurities can take you to a point where you don't even you don't even want to get out of bed. But that, doesn't, that it doesn't necessarily define you. I'm sure there are people who, who find that really, really hard and it can really close in on them. But actually, I think it needn't. You can, you can say, well, that was a bad day. Today I'm going to get up and... I'm going I'm going to put I'm not even going to get in the shower I'm going to put clothes on and walk out the front door and just walk for a bit and just do something different you know just
0: <laughs> so so there's the question then um on the days after those days what is it that you do to regain some kind of sense of optimism to stay sane whenever it seems like uh, losing sanity might be edging ever closer
1: <laughs> yeah it, it's it's different it's difficult because I'm quite, I'm also quite an addictive person so It could be, you know, I I sort of get obsessional periods with things like going to the gym. But then, because I'm addictive and faddish, and I start to get insecure about going to the gym, I stop going to the gym. And then, and then you think, okay, I'll just watch all of Breaking Bad. That'll be fine. Uh, That'll get me out of it. Uh, Or you, you decide that there's a certain book that if you read all of it, that's going to get you through. uh, You know, the next two or three days. Or you obsessively clean the house, or you—you know—you just find something. I mean, I—I like you. I tried creative writing, and I, and I, and I—I I, I, I tell myself that I'm not bad at that. But what I don't really have is the application to finish it. That's the—that's the thing. It's the finishing that is so hard for so many actors. I think. Yeah. I temp taught. I was a solicitor's clerk, um, and. Uh, which I did for a long time, actually, uh, outdoor clerking uh, for a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know what I would do now if I couldn't act. I, c- I wouldn't be able to go back to teaching. Have you ever considered giving up? I must have done. <laughs> I must I must have done. But probably deep down, no. No, I don't think I ever did. I think, I think that's probably why I'm still doing it now, is because in about 1993 I decided to burn all bridges and it was acting or nothing and I think it was probably the healthiest thing I I could do as an actor was to do that but the industry was different then so going into the industry in 1995 coming out of training then the way um, certainly television was paid which I got into about four or five years after coming out of uh, drama school uh, it was paid better you know royalties were better repeat fees were better um, that, I mean I, I, I feel very strongly for any actor coming out of drama school since 2002 2003 when the old BBC contracts ended when a lot of those kind of royalty paying contracts just died because now you have no option but to work constantly um, and the same is true of me now. I mean, you, you, you're never at a point where you just go, "Oh, I can sit back and watch the royalty checks come in." Mean, you just can't. You're con- you're constantly working. Um, you know, I remember even even you know Roger Allen, the Truth Commissioner. You know, the lead in his own movie was saying exactly that. He you went, know, "I can't stop. I can't stop." What am I going to do? I never got a sitcom. I know. You know, I never I never did that. I never got a comedy that was just going to bring the checks in. So. I'm screwed, aren't I? I've got to carry on till I die. You know, and, and that's that's sort of
0: that's very true. Uh, what's the most difficult thing about being an actor?
1: Keeping your end up. Uh, yeah, or, yeah. Just uh, the amount of
0: times my mother said that to me in the phone.
1: Yeah, keep your end up. Keep your end up. Yeah, yeah. Keeping your um, self belief is, is is always the the hardest thing. Be being absolutely sure that you can continue to do this and will continue to do this for the rest of your life because you have no it's not a career <laughs> it's, uh, that, that, that's, it's a Derek Jacoby quote from when he was doing Desert Island Discs that has stuck in my head you don't have a career, you have a series of jobs yeah. and, um, <clears throat> and that's if you're lucky so <laughs> you know, you're never going to be promoted it doesn't matter how hard you (laughs) work you're (laughs) not yeah you're not suddenly gonna be head of the acting department you know you're acting supervisor yeah you just got to keep going and so the belief that you can and will keep going is the only thing that drives you there is nothing else so you've got (laughs) you've got to to have that and so that is the hardest thing you've got to have a voice at the back of your head going it's all right keep going keep going and what's
0: then the worst about being an actor I mean if you're a king of acting if you were head of the acting department for a day and you could change anything about what it is to be an actor what 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 kind of things would be
1: on your list but you see that's the point I wouldn't change anything I I don't think I would change anything I would I would Comple- okay. The only things that would BBC change, contracts. The, well, the only things that would change are, are, are political. You know, yeah. they're, they're 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 not about being an actor. They're about ensuring that actors are properly paid.
0: Well, that's part of that, and that is part of being an yeah. actor.
1: So, yeah, so, so yeah, minimum wage for an actor should be two hundred quid a week higher. I just, I just can't afford. I can't afford to work on stage. hence the two hundred pounds extra a week. At least that's that's the yeah. But you you know you just go, it's yeah. I can't I can't afford to work on stage and so I have to I have to you know you, you spend the rest of the year earning the money to allow you to work on stage um, and You'll get a lot of fans for that that's popular policy yeah you might stay as head of the acting department for a little while longer yeah. without one and funding and funding in the arts just why why is it dying I don't understand why it's dying I, it, it baffles me uh, I, I, I don't know why people don't fund the arts
0: you've <laughs> talked a little bit about the art of acting so the kind of answer to this question seems obvious and therefore the question seems redundant but I'm the kind of interviewer that asks redundant questions <laughs> so do you consider yourself an artist?
1: Yeah I do um, I do and I, I think it's in the presence of another actor that I feel I can say that because uh, a lot of the time you apologise for that when, when people who aren't actors ask you questions like that because often it's asked quite kind of combatively or challengingly. So do you consider yourself you consider yourself an artist then? And you go, well, yeah, I'm an artist. <laughs> um, and have you always felt that, or is it something that's I I've kind of felt it because of my reactions to other actors. Yeah, because art m- moves you, challenges you, makes you think about your own existence, whatever you're doing makes you think about the world you live in, makes you think about socio-political movements and ideas, uh, challenges you intellectually, and I can't think of a single moment when I've watched actors working where that, at least one of those, hasn't been true. So that makes actors artists, doesn't it, I think. Of the people you've worked with and the people you haven't
0: then, uh, who do you think does either medium well?
1: you know I watch people like uh, but I you know I watched Glue I don't know if you saw Glue on on E4 absolutely stunning series everyone in it was at least 20 years younger than me and they're all brilliant they're all incredible and I watch them and I go wow you're doing a thing that that I don't do that I want to know how to do that young brilliant actors I've got every bit as much to learn from them as Jonathan Price you know because they're, they're, it's, it's, it's a weird thing it's a, really good actors a lot of them are just brilliant straight out of the box do,
0: do you think you've gotten better at it with time you see you learn a lot from watching other actors do you think've got do you feel you've got better at it more competent
1: <sighs> i don't know I don't feel like i've got any better I've maybe got more ways of fooling myself into doing it <laughs> in a convincing way. <laughs> and fooling other people into the back And fooling other people as well. I, suppo- I suppose so, yeah. I don't think an actor ever loses that feeling. I, th- I think anyone, any... I'm really suspicious of super confident actors. Incredibly suspicious of them. Anyone who's very kind of balls out in a work environment. I'm like, what What are you doing? Why are you, why are you like that? That's... You're, you're not an actor if you're like that. You're, you're yourself just being arrogant don't like it
0: fair enough Um,
1: so do
0: you do you consider that at this stage in your career do you think uh, you know not I've made it I don't think anyone thinks that and I would be deeply suspicious of anyone who goes yep I'm there Um, do, do you think I'm successful I'll put it another way if we went back 20 years and said Tom 20 years Here's what you'll have. Would you have taken it back then?
1: Oh god, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, have, so So yeah. I suppose in that
0: sense, I'm successful. So your definition yeah. of success must have changed then, uh, as your career or as your series of jobs have gotten <laughs> uh, more impressive.
1: Um, yeah, but you don't ever really feel
0: successful. It's all relative, then. It's, I think it's, it's all relative.
1: Yeah, you just... You, and you hope... Because it could all end tomorrow. I'm already worrying what I'm going to do when Mr Selfridge ends in October because it's the last series. It's currently April, by the way. So that's... I know. Six months away. That's six months away. I'm all, I'm already thinking, what am I going to do from the middle of October onwards? Already.
0: Never goes away. Uh, if you could go back then, let's go back to that guy 20 years ago coming to to Bristol. Um... If you go back to him, the guy who would take what you have achieved in an instant, what advice would you offer him to help him shortcut some of that stuff? I,
1: I, there's, only, there's, only, there's only one this thing, going, really. This is going to be good. Well, it's not. I, d- I don't think of. it is good. <laughs> it's, but it, it, it's, I think it's don't, don't limit your own choices that make sense in what context in terms of in anything okay don't okay well it's twofold then oh if, if you're going to be an actor burn your bridges be an actor That that's number one that's number one don't don't uh, which I suppose is another way of saying don't give up but it, it's not that it's it's actually committing yourself it's also to say
0: way I'd limit your choices limit your choices <laughs> in it's some ways exactly part one, limit your part, part
1: one is limit your choices part one is limit your choices part two is don't limit your choices in what way <laughs> because once you've committed to that idea I'm an actor that's it that's what I do then broaden what that means as, as widely as you possibly can so use the bit bit of you that is an actor in as many ways as possible, Um, which is also another way of saying never say no to any form of job that you feel usefully employs that part of you that is an actor.
0: I have to ask, is that based on, did you turn something down that you regretted? In any I, big I, way?
1: I, 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 pro- prob- prob- I, I probably must have done. I'll, I'll, have, I'll have put it to bed, though. I'll have put it behind me. Yeah. Uh, but more, more importantly, I've always, I've always tried to say yes to every job that comes along. I'm just not the sort of person who says no to things. Um, have
0: you, or do you remember, ever getting some quality advice from any other actors, older actors you've worked with? If that would be your advice to yourself, what's the good bits of advice
1: you've received from others? Um, I, ju- I just sort of, I I kind of remember, well, I mean, that Jacoby quote is, if, if I could take it personally, I would take it personally. You know, you don't have a career, you have a serious If you jobs. say it
0: enough, at some point, someone will put it on the internet and ascribe it to you. And that's, I mean, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah. you've achieved, you know, that is success.
1: <laughs> My version of it is... You're never going to get promoted. That's my version of it, you know, which I think is kind of uh, another way of saying it. It's not like, this isn't like other jobs. You're not going to get a promotion. No one's going to reward you. You know, you're just going to hope you get another job. (laughs) Because one of the other quotes that always jumps into my head is Anthony Hopkins, (laughs) who was on Parkinson way back, way back, in like mid-70s, and I was a very small kid. And Parkinson or said you know how do you something like well, how do you approach uh, acting you know what makes you take a job and he just went I'm a prostitute we're all prostitutes aren't we we're prostitutes <laughs> and uh, it was kind of it was said with such emphasis he said it so emphatically that it really sunk in there somewhere we kind of are it's like the oldest profession we're we're prostitutes
0: uh, one final question are you in anything at the minute
1: I <laughs> uh, Oddly enough no No. I'm not (laughs) I'm not in anything at the minute
0: So that's it, episode 2 Done Thanks to Tom Gubinhill for his time, his coffee His Oreos and most of all Thanks Tom for your unfailing support Of everything relating to this podcast It has meant a huge amount So thank you For everyone else, and for Tom Episode 3 is coming your way on Monday The 12th of October So a little under a fortnight away Then every fortnight from that point, there will be a new full length episode going live. So if you haven't already, now is the time to go to iTunes and click subscribe so that you don't miss out. And if you can't wait that long, don't forget there are teasers online as well. If you haven't heard them all, I strongly recommend you go back and give them a listen. It will give you a great sense of who and what is coming up. Don't forget as well, there are lots of interviews that don't feature as teasers. So lots of surprises for you around the corner over the coming months. And hopefully, maybe, who knows, years. Anyway, in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. Don't forget to enter the competition at inanything.com forward slash competition. Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Honest actors, honest actors, honest actors, honest actors, honest actors. Honest actors, honest actors. Mm-hmm.